Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. All right, my guest today on the A-Game Podcast, coming back for a second time, is Matthew Marinoff, a.k.a. The Short Sale Savage. He has a new book coming out, Short Sale Savage. It's actually out now. I read the entire thing. I thought it was a great book, and it helps you understand him as a person a lot more, too. So he's got a rough exterior. He's a tough Jersey guy, very straightforward, but you can see that he's an Eminem on the inside. He's just a softie that is looking to really take care of people and keep people from getting screwed, which absolutely can have in short sales happen a lot. People are getting bad information, they're misinformed. So I think definitely with where we are in the market, it's important to understand short sales, understand the pros and cons, understand why it has to be about people and protecting people in that situation. If you were coming in as an investor in a short sale, you have to make sure you're not taking advantage of people. It's a huge thing. And the processes are something that I don't want to be dealing with as the investor. So bringing in a short sale specialist to come and intervene in that and get that short sale done is something I have done personally in the past. And I will continue to do in the future. And hopefully, Real Estate Recovery Group and Matthew Marinoff can help. So with the market coming, I think short sales are going to be a major opportunity. And I think he can be a great reference for you guys. So what we will do is, again, put that in the show notes there for you guys. And as always, if you go to nicknicknick.com slash links, you can get links directly to the sponsors of the show, especially Nationwide Business Capital Group. Right to Marianne, right through that link until the A-Game podcast sent you and you want some money, whether you're beginner, new, advanced, experienced, or whatever your situation is, she will find a way to get you money for your deals. If you already have lenders, she'll give you some of the best rates and terms out there to get you more money and cheaper money. So definitely reach out, definitely see what you can get. And then while you're there, find a way to connect with me and tell me, hey, I want to invest in real estate. I'm looking to get more properties, my first property, whatever it may be. And shoot me a text message, 516-540. 5733 and tell me, hey, let's work together, whether you want to buy properties from me, sell properties to me, or have a conversation about how we can work together. I would love to be part of that progress and part of that transition. So that's what I'm going to focus on big time this year is making those relationships with my listeners and doing some real estate together. NickNickNick.com slash links, all the affiliates and all the ways to connect and subscribe to this podcast. Please do. It really helps a lot when you go on, you subscribe, you interact on social media, and you leave reviews and comments. It helps me huge please, I encourage you, if you could take a minute to do that, it goes a very long way. And last but certainly not least, nicknicknick.com slash biggerpockets for your free checklist on how to bring more value to your buyers as a real estate agent, broker, or wholesaler. Hope everybody's having an outstanding day. Looking forward to meeting all you guys. Thank you, Matt Aronoff, again for coming on and being a good dude. And thank you for Dan Zaitovsky, also former guest, hopefully soon again, of the A-Game podcast who put us together and is a great guy doing awesome things. So follow both of those gentlemen on social media. I hope everybody's having a great day. All right. My guest today on the A-Game podcast is a real estate entrepreneur. He is also the founder of the Real Estate Recovery Group, which is one of the top short sale companies in the entire country. They help sellers, buyers, investors, realtors, attorneys, servicing companies, mortgage companies, and asset managers successfully and efficiently complete short sales. They'll also do that while not forgetting that it's about people and they do things while still keeping people's best interests and not walking that line, which is a huge thing in this industry of having a great reputation for making sure not only are you getting deals done, but you're also taking care of people in the process, not taking advantage of them. He has overcome bad contractors, addictions, back surgeries, and many other obstacles in life and listed all one fine evening back in 2005 to chase his dreams. Ever since then, he has kicked butt, taken names, and made no excuses along his road to success. And he has a brand new book out right now telling a story called The Short Sell Savage. Please welcome to the A-Game Podcast for the second time, Mr. Tough Love, Mr. Short Sell Savage himself. Welcome back, Matt Marinoff. Nick, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Dude, it's great to have you on again. You know, we've been in touch uh, since the last one, and I read your whole book, and we were just talking for a while before you came on. But I think part of what we didn't talk as much about last time was a little bit about your backstory, which I got to read about in that book. And I think, again, like you just said, figuring out kind of who you are and where you came from is an important piece for people to understand why you do what you do. And I think coming from the 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 back surgery and like the addiction stuff and just 
a lot of this, the things in life where people choose to take a different turn and they let it beat them or overcome them, whether it's you know intentional or not, that becomes just one of the many things you've overcome. I've seen stop people in their tracks and they never move forward, but you got past these things and have created a great life for yourself. So for people that are listening, that are going through tough times right now, how did you get yourself out of that? What was the mental talk like? What were the things you attributed to pulling yourself out of those dark days and moving forward? Um, you know, it's funny. So for me, I think thing, I took a different path. I could have kept going down a, a dark road. Uh, one thing, uh, I guess I'd look at is, you know, failures, failure is not an option. And I know people always talk about failing forward. Uh, I'm a firm believer in that and I fail a lot. So, and I'm okay with it because I learn from it. So I don't look at it really as failure. I look at it as a learning experience. I think most people are like, oh my God, I fail. No, it's a learning experience. So a lot of stuff that I've gone through uh, I thought it was important to put into chapter one because that's actually how I became who I am uh, in the industry as a short sell savage. So when someone says to me, oh, you're a short sell specialist. No, I'm the short sell savage. I deal with things a little bit differently than most people. I embrace it and I really latch on to it. One of my famous sayings that people laugh about when I say it is, it's not a no until you get a restraining order. Now, I don't mean that in a violent sense. I mean that in an emotional, supportive way and also working with, you know, individuals that maybe they don't know what their options are, especially uh, real estate agents that are misguiding homeowners or don't know how to guide uh, or potential buyers that don't understand that there's a specific path that has to be followed. And I think that people are more about the selling and not telling. Telling is very important. And I think that if you come across in such a way where you're caring and you're showing others that you care, you're gonna get more of people that are gonna follow you. The money's always gonna be there. So it's not really about the sale. Uh, so the book for me was, um, <laughs> it was probably one of the hardest things I had to do in my life to write it. Um, I don't hide from the fact that I am dyslexic. I don't hide from the fact that, you know, um, I, I, I had learning disabilities, learning disabilities growing up. I was able to find a way around them. So most people run into a mountain or, and they look up and they're like, I'm not going to get around it. I figured a way to either go under it, go through it or go around it. So I'm just excited to, you know, be on podcasts and showing and offering other ways, other opportunities of showing people you can be successful. I truly believe in my heart that everybody has the same playing ground where you know they can be successful. There are roadblocks and obviously there are landmines along the way. Uh, not every group and not everybody grows up with a silver spoon in their mouth. So this opportunity to write this book has really sparked something inside me to help even more people. I think that that's excellent, man. And I agree 100%. I tell everybody, if you don't quit, you can't fail. And then that really what it seems to come down to. It's just, it, it is a choice. Like things are going to happen. What is your decision going to be of how you react to whatever's happening in your life? And obviously your decisions are shaped exactly where you are today. So I love that. And when people look back sometimes, the things you're talking about is the learning lessons. I always think back to things are happening for a reason, whether you accept them at that point or you realize it or not. But what you were talking about in that first chapter about how you took a job just to pay the bills as a mortgage specialist and started getting into that broker, broker role, that is a lot of the reason why you picked up some of the ins and outs of how the bank worked, which again, at that point, you probably didn't realize where your life was going to go. But those experiences and lessons that you didn't realize then were going to shape so much later in life, I think that there's always those things where you look back and you go, this is what was preparing me for something down the road. And I needed to experience that. And I needed to go through that so I could help myself and others down the line. I always looked at myself, for me, as an underdog. I always looked at myself as someone that had something to offer, uh, um, you know, a vision, a um, but I didn't know really what it was until I actually got involved in what I'm doing now. And I've bounced around from job to job. I mean, I, I put it all out there. 
uh, in my book. And I did it because I wanted people to understand who I am and why I do what I do. I'm very passionate about showing people options. And I make it very clear in my in the book itself that you know no two mortgages have the same DNA. They just don't. Basically, just like you know, a body type, nobody has the same exact DNA. So it's important that people understand, you know, what are their options. And I felt that it would be important to convey it in such a way where people would want to read it and not want to put the book down. And I think I got that impression from you uh, before we started, you know, with the with the show. Um, it was something that impacted you and. I mean, it sounded like you couldn't put the book down. I, bur I burned through it. I think it took me two days. So I, I'm, I'm not, I don't focus on reading that well. So that's definitely good. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, for me, like, um, I always, like, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm a really not a great reader. So um, I am going to come out with an audible book because I know there's a lot of people that learn by listening myself. But, you know, we offer the, you know, the, the Kindle version, we do, we have the written uh, hard copy, we are going to come out with the audible, because people are asking me every single day, dude, I bought your book, but, you know, probably not going to read it, I'm waiting for the audible. So I feel like I should put it out there. And when I say like people that are listening to this are probably thinking, oh, this guy's pushing his book. Listen, for me, don't buy the book, I could care less. But if you really want to understand how the concept, a real footing because I tell people all the time, my industries, you have to have a firm footing and then the foundation. If you don't have a firm footing and foundation and you're getting involved in distressed properties like short sales, you can single-handedly drive somebody into foreclosure. And this book talks about the fundamentals and for what it's charged to buy the book, it really gives people you know, uh, an understanding. And I'm going to put this out there. If you're somebody that cannot afford the book, I mean, legit, if you cannot afford the book and you don't have the money for it, um, I'll either mail you a copy of it or, you know, I'll, I'll figure out a way to send you a digital copy of the book myself so you can have it. It's not about the money. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about somebody who's in trouble that don't know their options. And Nick, I will say this, at least once a week, minimum once a week, I hear... Matt, I, I wish I knew you a year ago. I wish I knew you two years ago or five years ago. So I'm trying to get it out there that there is somebody like myself that genuinely cares. You know, I was really fearful by putting my first book out. Well, actually, I wasn't, but my family was. They're like, Dad, you're going to get shot, you know, by the, by the mortgage community. You know, the government's going to come after you. But I think I wrote the book in such a way that explains uh, in such a way for people to understand what they need to do if they want to get involved in short sales. That's important. So hopefully I'll get a pass and no, nobody will gun me down. <laughs> I don't think that'll happen. I think a good theme that you talk about throughout the book is why, why in that specific type of situation and those specific types of deals with short sales, you have to go in and understand all the different levels that are involved and understand that it's about people. It's not just about the point because there's a lot riding on the line and it's not a joke to other people. So everybody involved has to be on the side of, like you said, full transparency and on the same team for getting the deal done because that's people's literally livelihood. Like where are they going to move? What are they going to do? How are they going to pay their, like all those things that go into play. So there's a timeline on it and, and legitimately everything that goes into that deal at the end of it, there's somebody on the other line of that, that everything they've worked for or whatever their next step in life to rebuild or start over is all relying on you. So when people go in there blind for anything, especially short sales, I always think it's dangerous when you don't know what you don't know, because it's, it's something that can not only affect you, but it can affect a lot of other people. And if you're not doing business with the intention of helping everybody around you, you really shouldn't be doing business at all. I, I, I will say this. I tell people all the time, put me in the hot seat. And they laugh. They're like, well, what does that mean? I go, well, if you have somebody that's in distress, literally put me in the hot seat. Put me on the phone with that person and let's see what we can do to try to help them. And they'll go, well, how does it benefit me? And I laugh and I go, it might not even benefit me. Why should it benefit you? We're trying to you know, give people options so they know what's going on. And some people get it and some people don't. And that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. What I do have a problem with is 
not introducing the concept to somebody to know their options. Foreclosure should never be an option with somebody that's in a property. And I do believe everybody can avoid foreclosure. I do truly believe that in my heart, but I believe that, you know, they're holding on for the, you know, God almighty that's going to ring their doorbell, the doorbell, and he's going to have a checkbook and he's going to write a check. Last I checked, you know, Jesus Christ almighty, Moses or whoever you believe in, they don't walk around with checkbooks. They don't have Venmo. So mm -hmm. it, it makes me sad when religious people rely on the fact that they will get me through. What's going to get you through is action. Action is going to get you through, you know, whatever the issue is. So it's important, honestly. Like one of the things that I do when I coach people, uh, and I, I do work with real estate agents, and they're always talking about how they're going on a listing appointment. Oh, I want a listing presentation, or I'm talking to four sale by owners and a listing and listing. I'm like, dude, it ain't, a, it's not a listing, it's a listening appointment. You gotta listen. You gotta shut up and listen to what somebody is saying to you because you can be going one direction and they're going a completely different direction. Get on the same road, jump in the same car and listen. Listening is going to win in the end. And listening, listening and offering options. That's key because everybody else is calling and saying, hey, the show your house was listed and this and oh, I have a buyer. First of all, you're full of shit. You don't have a buyer. You're bringing your best friend. You're bringing your, you know, your, your trainer or whoever it is. Your dog walker to go walk through the house and ask questions and say, oh, you know, I have more people that may be interested in your house. Stop lying. Just say, look, I, I understand the situation you're in. And Nick, let me just say this. And I have proof to back this up. I'm probably about an 85% close ratio on the telephone. 85%. Might even be higher. First time out of the gate talking to these people. And it's funny because real estate agents are like, well, what the fuck is happening here? I'm like, just go over there and list the property. Or okay, I'll put like, you know, the comps and my listing presentation. I'm like, no. We're past that. People, I think, are programmed to do certain things where they look at um, a traditional method of selling a property versus an untraditional. Remember, I'm dealing with people where we're showing the opposite of approving or getting approved for a loan. We're discrediting the fact that they can't qualify for it and they need, they need to move on to the next phase of their life. It's massive. And that's why I believe the book is selling the way that it's selling. And people are reaching out to me and they want to know more and more about, you know, uh, either the training or, you know, I, listen, I'm doing free seminars. I tell people flat out, listen, you don't want to pay to the page training? Fine. Bring me in. Bring me on a podcast just like this. And I'll offer assistance. Nick, I will say this and then we get on to the next question. Most people only hear 7% of what they hear the first time. Let me say that again. If there's 100%, you're focused and you're spending good money to listen to somebody, you're only going to remember 7%. And that was one of the reasons why I decided to build an online education platform for it to be on demand. Because people need to look at stuff over and over again. Repetition and follow-up is going to win the war. I love that, man. I agree a thousand percent. And one of the things you touched on in the book again was in the first chapter, you had mentioned going through a tough time with dealing with the contractors on building your, your new construction. And yeah. then you made a joke kind of like you asked your wife, like, hey, you want to do this again? And she was like, no. And you wrote, well, now it would be a different story because I completely understand how to rehab a house. And being that the construction and the rehab and the managing contract is part of this business is a massive spot where people think they're going to make money and then they wind up losing their butt. I was interested to see what kind of tips or tricks or, or lessons you learned from that first one to now that if you could have gone back and said, hey, if I would have done A, B, and C, either for fixing the house or for managing the contractors, that somebody might be able to take away to help in their, their rehabs. I'm going to tell you why most people fail in life. I remember standing, I'm getting chills right now. I remember standing and walking through the front door or potential front door and going through the hallway because I had an open concept house and standing in the kitchen and the wind was banging back and forth of the plastic 
of where the garage was, where the garage door was supposed to be. And looking out and seeing the gravel there and seeing where the pipe was, you know, for the sewer line. And there was a light bulb hanging in the ceiling and it was dark and it was cold. And I was saying to myself, this is, this is the beyond the true story. It was God's my witness. And I'm standing there and I'm thinking to myself, I must be crazy. I'm going to leave a six-figure job, full health benefits, beautiful car lease for me um, to follow my dreams and get involved in real estate. And I actually asked my wife, all joking inside, I said, listen, I said, um, I, I don't know if I want to keep doing what I'm doing. I feel like there's a higher purpose for me. And I think I can help more people, but I really need to understand, you know, the, the distress side of real estate. And she said, well, you don't, you ask me stuff all the time and you don't listen to what I say anyway. So I, I guess we're in for the ride together. So we're married 20 years now, almost 21 years. I'm going back, you know, we're you know, 15, I don't even know, over 15 years ago, 17 years ago when we were when we were building this house and i guess the point i'm trying to make is if you feel passionate about something don't let something hold you back like my kids are in college or you know uh, i'm 50 years old i can't make a change in my life or you know there's so many different ways that you can make money um but for me like i remember standing there in the kitchen and said am i crazy for doing this and i remember hearing my own voice in my head saying yes you're crazy but that's okay. I mean, that was the entrepreneur in me, which I discussed in chapter one, where they couldn't teach me because I didn't want to learn the way that they wanted to teach. And I know you get that because you're an entrepreneur. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is, is that standing in my kitchen that was framed out with the light swinging a little bit from the wind was, you know, I guess my, my why at that moment was for me to follow and go on to my next journey in my life for myself and for um, my new, my child that was five. I've, he's now almost 19. And now I have, you know, a 13 year old is going to be 14. So follow your dreams, fail as much as you can to get to where you, ne you need to be. I literally jumped out of a plane without a parachute, with no exit strategy, nowhere to land, and I did it. And if I can do it from a guy who literally graduated with, I think, 42 uh, tardies where they were debating whether or not to let me graduate and passing with a D straight up, I thought D was for diploma to get the fuck mm -hmm. out of high school. That's hilarious. Yeah, but you did it, man. I love that. And the, um, you know, again, just touching on like that, that I think most people, especially now with new construction being so popular, are there any tips and stuff that you learn from going through that process of building your own house of now having all that experience doing it? Yeah. So that was the original question. And I went off. No, so, no, yeah. I loved it. It was a great answer. Yeah. So it's kind of like, well, you know, that's my ADD. I'm all over the place. But I'm the yeah. same way, dude. I, I follow it because I, I zip and zag. So yes, there is. Uh, definitely qualify the people that you're going to be working with. Most people just go with the lowest number. Lowest number isn't always necessarily the best number. Highest number isn't always the best number. The middle of the road may or may not be the best number. Best thing to do is to talk with people who have actually had multiple run-ins with the same person. A one and done isn't going to tell the story. I think if you talk with somebody that's utilized somebody multiple times is where you're going to win. Um, I'm not saying check the person's bank account, but ask them as far as, you know, the build out, you know, are you giving them a third up front? What are you getting for that third? Can they give you a breakdown as far as, you know, what the building costs are going to be? Um, and then, you know, make sure that the money is going, you know, into a specific account. Uh, when we were building our house, uh, my contractor actually robbed about $140,000 for my construction of perm loan. No doubt, that was a shit show. And I had to explain that um, to, the, uh, to the bank who actually gave us the money. And they're like, well, you picked the contractor. He put the, you know, quote unquote, uh, time schedule, the bidding together uh, as far as the payout. Make sure those numbers match up. Because what he did was he was skimming money and I didn't realize it. 
And at one point, I actually had the framing company say, we're going to put a mechanic lien on your property, which they did for, I think it was like, I don't even know at the time, maybe $23,000. I forget the exact dollar amount. Um, and I had to pay them twice to frame my house because the contractor screwed me so bad. And then I ended up wanting to using one of the subcontractors to actually finish my house. And he ended up screwing me too. So yeah, it's crazy. So I mean, the list goes on. So now, you know, do I look at things totally different? Yeah, hundred percent. I've been involved in probably over, you know, 50 rehab projects myself. Uh, so I understand how the process works. Now, if I was to do it, I think my wife would be okay with it because I actually learned. There's a lot of people I think jump in the industry and they don't realize like, you know, maybe not take the first person that you interview. Make sure you have the proper insurance. I've heard stories where people didn't have the proper construction uh, policy on their property um, and they had regular insurance because they had the house, never told the insurance company, renovated the property or was in the process of it and the house actually struck uh, was struck by lightning they didn't then the insurance company came to the house and were like we're not paying this claim so like there's a lot of things that i don't think people understand and i can direct people look here's the thing i look at myself as a connector so nick like if somebody was to reach out to me and say hey do you know someone that does x y and z yeah i'm not that guy that's looking for a vig i'm not looking to be hit off I'm about, listen, this is what I do. This is what I provide. If you know somebody who's in trouble, love to try to help. Do I have affiliations with other people? Yes. Do people want to do my uh, affiliate marketing with my, uh, my, my courses and stuff like that? Yeah, I don't mind doing that. I don't mind hitting a broader audience with the stuff that I provide because there's a method and there's a means to the end. And so, yeah, to sum it up, as far as the construction side of it, Find somebody who is reputable that's been using the same person over and over again. And it's okay even to be the general contractor. You don't necessarily have to have somebody who's a general contractor. It's very easy to become a general contractor and run the job yourself. People pay other people. If you have the time to do it, do it. But if you don't, find somebody. And honestly, if people want to reach out to me, I know people all over the United States now. Um, I am a leery sometimes of referring people, but if I know somebody that knows somebody, I have no problem doing it. And that's why in the back of my book, I put a resource center. I put the people that I do business with in the back of my book. The people thought that when I was writing my book, they thought I was nuts. Yeah. Like, the book is about you. The book is not about me. Chapter one is about me. The additional chapters about showing other people there's a method with a means to an end to help other people. That resource center is massive because those people actually talk about stories that I have done with them or added value to them. And, you know, the people, what do they say? Uh, your network is your net worth, right? So I, I like to hang out with people that add value. I've cut out a lot of negative people in my life in the last three years. People that still continuously try to get in my life. I just don't have time for negative people. I agree with a thousand percent. And I, I second that, that that resource guy is huge. And shout out once again to the guy who connected us. That I think is the first name in that, Mr. Dan Zytowski, looking now svelte and healthy and skinny, kind of doing a, a bunch of other stuff. Because, again, you need the, the health and the wealth and all that to be happy. So uh, shout out to him. And, again, you get some great names and some great people in that resource guy. Yeah, absolutely, 100 percent. He actually wrote the forward in my book, which I, you know, I, I had a conversation with him. And I was kind of like, you know, so seven years, actually yesterday is seven years that my dad passed away. Oh, sorry for your loss, man. But it also marks the anniversary of kind of like where Dan and I used to get together. Dan sent me a text message and it says, uh, I know you were down yesterday. So you post on Facebook. Um, I still remember when you were getting your dad his uh, pastrami sandwich and his cream soda. Like you don't remember things like that unless you really care. Dan is a very special individual for myself. Um, yes, I have my own brother and he has his own brother, but we definitely consider ourselves brothers because, you know, we're of the same mindset. And I think that's the problem with people. They don't have that. So, yeah, I love Dan. He's an amazing person. 
Awesome. And I agree with that. You guys are both good dudes. So I, I, I appreciate both of you staying in touch with me over the years. And, you know, talking about short sales now, explain to people who aren't really clear on what a short sale is. Yeah, so really what a short sale is nothing more uh, than uh, where a bank is going to take less than what's actually owed. So let me break it down. Let's say you owe $500,000 on your mortgage. Now you haven't paid your mortgage in however long it's been. Now your mortgage back payments have now gone up with say principal interest taxes and insurance, $25,000. Maybe it's creeping up to $50,000. Well, now there's other fees that are involved. So there's um, fees where they're reviewing the property. There's maybe a, a property preservation company that's involved checking up on the property. There's appraisals, there's BPOs, uh, and there's garbage fees obviously in there. So from where you thought you owed money on your property, now you're creeping up to let's say $600,000. So basically we have to figure out a way if your property is only worth 500 or 450 to take the difference of it and make it go away. So we actually qualify a lot of our properties prior before we actually get involved in a transaction. Now, let me say this, Nick, we're a 96% success rate in getting approvals. We're a 96% in getting approvals for short sales. That's not closings. The reason why it's a high mark for the approvals and not closings is because a lot of things happen. Maybe the person who applied for a short sale lied to the bank, which will actually shut the bank down and flag it for fraud. We've been involved in transactions where we've been brought in because a file was flagged for fraud and shut down, or they weren't working with the people anymore that were involved. We get involved, we find out what's going on, We've got a high success rate in turning that around. But I think the biggest misconception is doing, does the bank have to do a short sale? They don't have to do a short sale. Because people will say, oh, the bank doesn't want the property. So, you know, they'll do a short sale. That's not true. So we're finding where people are listing properties two, three months, thinking that the property is going to go and, and they'll be able to do a short sale. No, it's not. It doesn't qualify for a short sale. You know, so... The short sale really is nothing less than if you owe more than actually the house is worth and all the additional fees is the bank taking the property short and moving on and releasing the property for the debt to be settled for less than full amount. And then hopefully the seller can move on to the next phase of their life unscathed. They're going to get a 1099C. There's no way around that. You know, big daddy, the government's got to get paid more or less, but if you have a good accountant or CPA, they should be able to basically make it go away or wash it because it's very easy to prove insolvency with a distressed property. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesale, and fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you wanna sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com, go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. That's an awesome answer, man. So I think the other part of that that people always try and think too much into it is, you know, from the seller side and then from the bank side, why would a bank accept a short sale? And then from the seller side, why would they want to do one? Good question. So seller side, you know, nobody wants the property to go to foreclosure. And not every bank will allow a deed in lieu. And the bank doesn't necessarily want the property back because they're not, you know, they're not a real estate company. They're a financial institution. So they really just want to figure out a way to have the property marketed correctly and to show whoever the investor of the loan so they understand, hey, the property is definitely not worth what it was. 
um, let's sell it, take a discount on it. And quite honestly, Nick, there's a lot of people that don't know, but a lot of these big banks, once you start going late, um, they take insurance policies out. Or there was an insurance policy that might've been in place that you didn't know about when the, per when the property uh, was put in through their loan and the banks are being paid, which kind of annoys me because <laughs> you know now they're being paid off. And in some cases they might be paid in full and they're still going after people for the difference, even though they've already been paid. I think that's kind of a gray area. So when the banks, when people, oh my God, my bank did this, my bank did that, or how do I go up against the bank? Just remember, sometimes the banks come off as banksters. <laughs> I love that, man. When, they, when people are looking at short sales, I know a lot of the times when like somebody will call me to say, hey, I have a short sale. I'll say, okay, is it seller approved? Or is it third party and bank approved? And they don't understand the difference in there. Um, for you, how often, like, when do you step into this process? So what we do is we like to get involved from the very beginning. We have been brought in if, you know, if it's a live, you know, transaction, but it's great to get involved from the very beginning with it because we can set the bar and the expectations. So this weekend, I think there was like maybe three or four different open houses going on. And the agent's like, oh my God, I have people hitting me up. And they're like, what is this? you know, percent based on what you offered as a third party company, which, you know, I, I run a loss mitigation company and they want to know what fees are. They want to know, is it approved short sale? Is, this, is the bank approved at this number? It's very simple to explain it, but I think people get frustrated or they get, you know, uh, inundated and they just don't know how to answer the question properly. And it's very basic. Um, the short sales that we get involved in, we find out ahead of time. Yes, the short sale, the property has been approved for a short sale. The number that we have is more or less as a guidance that we went off of based on the valuations or in what we asked the bank, would they be okay with us putting it on the market? They just want to know that the property is on the market fair market value. That doesn't mean that the property is approved at that number, but it is approved to being a short sale. That's very interesting stuff there. And I, I think uh, something you said earlier that kind of blew me away because I've done a lot of short sales in the past and some of them have taken like a year longer than that. And when you gave me the timelines and how fast you're getting them done, it made me completely rethink doing them. So talk to people who are listening that have a misconception about how long it takes to get a short sale done and kind of what you guys are doing to push that through. So let me just, let me, before I actually get into it, um, you know, my company was set up a specific way. I knew that when I set my company up, um, I wanted it to stand for something. So it stands for actually two things. The company name is Real Estate Recovery Group. I spell real estate as one word. People always correct me like, dude, real estate's two words. Maybe in the normal world, but for me, it's not. And I did it like that because it's RRG, Rules, Regulations, and Guidelines. That's it. It's really that simple. So it's important that people understand rules, regulations, and guidelines are going to get through the process. Now, have we done short sales in 30 days? Yes. Our average is about three months. Why? Because we worked the deal prior to actually going on the market. So we're prepping ourselves. We're prepping the seller. We're prepping the agents. We're even prepping the bank, the servicer or lender, whoever it is, the investor, and say, look, this is what we plan on doing. We get a lot of repeat business from the same servicers. So after doing it for so long, they kind of know the company name. Uh, and true story, uh, one of the servicing companies that's out there, they actually reached out to us and asked us specifically, hey, um, you know, we told the homeowner that you're going to be calling them directly and talking to them and helping them uh, with uh, finding a, a real estate agent. Now, people find that hard to believe, but it's true because, again, rules, regulations, and guidelines. So the process is really easy. It can be tedious. We've got it down with science, and we try to help as many people as we can, but some people don't want to be helped. So I make it very clear from when we're doing the onboarding and the intake notes, look, this could be a very tedious process. It could be very painful, or we could rip the Band-Aid off and actually get to work and get it done. As long as you're open and the communication is there, we're going to work with you. Have we ever fired clients? 100%.
and people think I'm nuts when we do that. But we do it because why do I want to have an open file with somebody who's not going to be receptive to either being helped or moving forward? And all you're doing is pissing off other people in the transaction. Man, that, that's such good advice. And I, I think going through that process again with all the people that are involved, it's a huge piece to make sure you're doing it the right way and getting it down in that guideline. Because even selfishly from the investor side, you don't want to you know, tie up those funds. I've had instances where people are putting down five, 10, 15, $20,000. Right. And then that gets tied up for six, 12 months while that property is just kind of sitting there through that process. So I think going through that is a, a huge, huge piece, especially right now, having somebody reliable, the short sales that I've done, I've always had to bring in somebody to get it done because us as investors on the buy side, we can only worry about so much. We need people that are professional, that that's their lane, that know how to get that done, like you said, with the rules and regulations and the guidelines in place to really make sure that things are getting done, getting done the right way and getting done as fast and as quick as possible. Absolutely, 100%. So one of the things that I think is just a huge topic overall that I love that you keep talking about this, you say it over and over again, people keep their heads in the sand. And a line I use a lot is I talk to people every day that are waiting for Superman. And I'm always trying to push people of like, hey, if you came to me to learn about real estate because you're trying to figure out, hey, I need something better in my life. I need more time. I need more money. I have this thing happening. And then you tell them like, you either have to put it in the bank or put it in the tank, meaning you got to get yourself educated for having that knowledge so you can go out and learn a craft the right way. Or you have to pay to have somebody teach you how to do things the right way and make sure that you're invested one way or the other. But you have to put something into it. There has to be some skin in the game. And then people don't want to do that. So they go, oh, something's going to happen. It'll fix itself. And then I tell them, people that I work with on a daily basis, their phones ring all day long on multiple lines. And they're making six figures every single month because people are calling them that said, no, the situation is going to get better. And then at some point they go, oh my God, it didn't. Now I have to sell my home at a discount like today. So that whole waiting for Superman and then people listening to people that are giving them bad information is just unbelievable, especially on the short sale thing. Like the, the main thing I heard you say that I'd love to hear you talk more about is the misconception that you have to start missing your payments before a bank will work with you on a short sale. Like even that basic thing that everybody repeats back to me and it's not true makes me totally crazy because all day long, people are giving very confident information and they're wrong. And to me, that's extremely dangerous and extremely reckless. So I know you deal with that on a daily basis with people putting their heads in the sand and people listening to bad information. You know, for me, not only in New Jersey, but, you know, across the United States. It's sad because people are relying on either the past or, you know, situations where, you know, maybe somebody got lucky and really like, you know, snuck between the crevices and was able to stay in their house longer. Or maybe the first warning letter didn't go out uh, as a referral to, you know, to go to foreclosure. So there's a, there's a lot of things out there, I think, that people don't understand. It's important that everybody understands what their path is and what they're going to do as far as their destination. So I, I tell people, if you want help, I can help. If you don't want help, that's fine. But don't come, at, don't come back to me after three or four other people failed you and the, either the day of or the day after or two weeks after, which happens a lot after the sale, I should have listened to you. You know, now my wife's going to divorce me or whatever. I'm like, listen, if your wife's going to divorce you, then your marriage was in, in shambles or there was an issue before this happened. If you're, if you're going through a divorce because of the house, then, you know, it wasn't for better or worse, right? And then, you know, the third thing is, is that you took a different road, you know, own it. So if you went down that road and that road led you to a path of, you know, you thought people were going to do the right thing for you and they screwed you over, own it. Keep going down that road. There's no turning back from that path. Once a property goes to sale, in most cases, there's no way really to, uh, you know, reverse it. Have we ever been able to reverse a foreclosure? Yes. Does that ever often happen? No, but we can't, but there I think the thing is, Nick, is that if people don't reach out and they don't ask, they're never going to know. So that's why I'm trying to get on as many podcast shows as I can, because I want people to understand, like, there's somebody out there that generally really cares and, and wants to help. And I'll tell you this much. Now my book drops. And you'll appreciate this. I have people reaching out to me 
Um, I, I would like for you to mentor me. Okay, well, I'm, I don't really take everybody on as a client. Um, love to, I'll send you out a couple of questions, whatever. Okay, well, that's great. Uh, but you know, how much does it cost? And just to give you an example on how people think, I'm like, well, my minimum is around, you know, 7,500, 10,000, whatever it is. Okay, well, that doesn't seem like a lot. Um, when can we get started? And I'm like, again, I just want to reiterate, I don't know if I could take you, quote unquote, necessarily as a client, because I don't know if we're going to be a fit. But let me ask you a question. Why is it that you want to get involved in distressed real estate? Well, I want to learn everything I can. Are you going to go after it? I don't know if I'm going to do it. Well, let me make a suggestion. And people, they, they, they stop me when we're in a conversation. They're like, I don't get it. And it goes somewhere to this. I have a book on Amazon. Go to Amazon. It's called Short Sell Savage, or you could put Matthew Marinoff there. The book is a little high. It's a hair under $20. Buy the book. Uh, what? I'm like, yeah, buy the book. I'm actually working on a course right now where it's $27. Um, maybe you want to take that class for $27 to see if it's something that you're interested in. And if it is, then do the class that's $297. And it either goes either way. Oh, I can't believe this. It's like you're one of those guys who try to upsell me and put me through a funnel. You're, you know, you're verbally funneling me right now. And I'm like, no, what it is is I'm actually trying to save you time and you money to find out, is this something you really want to get involved in? Is this something that you are really, truly passionate about? And yeah, if you want to become, you know, one of my students and we can work it out and it works out great. Yeah. So I'll give you the difference back of the $297 for a class that's unlocked, unlimited education on demand. And I'll give you back the $27 for a class. And I'll give you back the 1997. I'll deduct that off of whatever training program we put together for mentorship. People don't know what to say to that. It's not about the fucking money. It's about showing people that there's a person out there that was an underdog and got screwed by the education system in the United States. I was a forgotten soul. Nick, I took um, one of those tests to find out what you'd be, you know, you're apted more for. I didn't know, I don't know how to take tests properly like normal people. They couldn't test me properly. They feel that my IQ is a lot higher than it is, but for whatever reason, I didn't, I don't learn like most people learn. They're like, well, you're probably only gonna be a warehouse worker nothing more than, you know, a laborer. And, you know, part of me was like, well, that's kind of messed up. But then I was like, well, I mean, if you're a laborer and you're in a landscape business, you're making a lot of money. So I always had the positive spin of things. I didn't look at it as a negative. And if you remember in my book, in chapter one, I referenced the teachers um, being, um, you know, educators and teaching people and being in the same position over and over again. I'm like, doesn't it make you sad that you sit here year after year for 15, 20, 30 years of being a teacher and that you really never, ever graduate? And some people look at me like a deer in headlight and they're like, I never really thought of it like that, you know? Um, so I, I, I guess I was always the type of person that would dissect the way certain things would feel, whatever. I was, I, I was always a winner, but I never really had the right path to follow. So I, I encourage people to get the education that they want and learn and follow your, follow your passion, your path, and, and stop listening to people that are naysayers and definitely stop hanging out with people that are telling you you can't do that. Like I'm involved in network marketing right now. People are like, oh, you're a fucking scam artist now, huh? No, I'm not. And it's amazing what's out there that people don't know about. And I'm actually doing really well at it. So they're like, now they're like, well, you're a jack of all trades, master of none. And I'm like, no, I'm actually a jack of all trades and master of all. So I have a lot of things going on right now. And anybody that's a millionaire or multimillionaire, they don't necessarily make it from one stream of income. They might make it from 17 different streams of income. So I'm following that path and I'm, list I'm not listening to people that are broke and barely making their mortgage payments. I understand not making money, but there's so many different ways. When people leave other countries to come here, jump over a wall, come underneath the wall, to be successful here in the United States, here in the United States, you can be anything that you want.
You just have to want it. Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real McKenzie's, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632-0585. Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-632-0585 for your free online drum lesson. Wise words, my friend. Always a pleasure. Always fun talking to you. There's a ton of different things that we still could have jumped into. I think we got to get you back on soon enough when uh, to hear more about kind of what's happening. And I know you're expanding some different stuff. But in the meantime, talk about how do people get the book? How do people find you? Real estate recovery group, buyers, sellers. How does everybody work or connect with Matthew Marinoff? It's actually very easy. So um, I have a website set up. It's called MatthewMarinoff.com. MatthewMarinoff.com was a digital creation that I came up with um, that I'm actually working with the, the two owners of the company. They made me a director of sales. They think what I'm doing is genius. On MatthewMarinoff.com, you can set up uh, with a calendar and you can make an appointment to speak with me. And it has my social media links on it. So you can find out everything you need to know really all in one stop, which is MatthewMarinoff.com. That is the best way to get a hold of me. I love that. And for anybody listening, again, check the show notes and we will have that link as well as all your social links for your company and your book and for you personally, so they can all connect with you. Once again, sir, I always appreciate you coming on. You've always been a good guy about staying in touch with me and checking in. And, you know, I, I don't take it lightly. I really appreciate guys like you and Dan always, you know, talking. Sometimes I get on the podcast, I don't hear from people again. That's never the case with you, my friend. I enjoyed your book. I appreciate you reaching out. Any final thoughts before we let you go today? Uh, the only thing I can say to somebody is if you're out there and you're wondering what you need to do, or if you're looking for, you know, other ways of making money, or if you're not really sure, you can Google everything. But if you, if you really want to find out what I'm up to and what I'm doing to make a difference in my life and for my kids' lives and for their children's lives, reach out. Very simple. You can actually buy the book off of, there's a link on there, off of MatthewMarinoff.com. I've got it all out there, including my personal cell phone number. I put it all out there for people. I love it, man. Well, thank you once again for coming on. You brought your A-game to this podcast, and I appreciate it as always. Have a great day. Matthew Marinoff, the short, so savage, ladies and gentlemen.